Welcome to Porter Wright's Antitrust Law Source. Good afternoon. This is Jay Levine, um, your editor of the Antitrust Law Source, um, and I have a distinct privilege today to bring um, to everybody uh, a guest from um, Brazil. Uh, his name is Andre Gilberto. Um, good afternoon, Andre. Hi, Jay. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And so Andre is a uh, competition or antitrust lawyer in Brazil, and I'll let him identify, you know, his uh, his firm and all that. And I thought it would be interesting to uh, understand a little bit more about sort of how the antitrust laws and the regime operate in Brazil to give all of our listeners out there a little bit of a taste of something other than what I always talk about in the U.S. So, uh, Andre, you want to tell us a little bit about about yourself and your firm? Sure, absolutely, Jay. And so, first of all, it's a pleasure to speak to you this afternoon. And I have been working with antitrust in Brazil for the past 17 years, uh, both in respect of uh, major control issues, uh, also uh, representing companies and individuals in investigations carried out by the Brazilian government. So, uh, during the time, I've been able to uh, handle very different matters. In, in, in Brazil. So I guess we have a lot of topics to, to discuss. I'm a partner at a firm called CGM. That's an acronym for Chavez, Gelman, Machado, Gilberto, and Barbosa. We are based in the city of Sao Paulo in Brazil. And I'm the partner ahead of antitrust measures. So I'm here and I'm very happy to discuss uh, the Brazilian antitrust regime with you. Just as a uh, clarification, Sao Paulo is pretty much the uh, business capital of Brazil, right? Exactly. So I would say that 85 to 90 percent of the relevant companies in Brazil are headquartered here in Sao Paulo, and most of the foreign companies, when they enter Brazil, uh, their affiliates or their subsidiary will be based in Sao Paulo. So this is uh, the city where all of the business decisions are made in our country. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so as most of our listeners know, you know, we have fairly robust antitrust um, laws here that are enforced, if you will, by private plaintiffs in civil litigation, by the Federal Trade Commission, by the Department of Justice's Antitrust Division, by the various states' uh, consumer protection or antitrust divisions themselves. So there are a lot of different entities that can, you know, bring a case or different governmental entities that can uh, commence an investigation of the antitrust laws. But I thought it would help our listeners to provide a framework for in Brazil. Um, what is what is the regime like? The, you know, what is the government entity that, uh, that oversees the antitrust laws and kind of what are their powers and do you have a, you know, civil litigation the way we do? If you can kind of briefly give an overview of your regime, that I think would help put things into perspective. Sure, absolutely. And I think the, the first thing that we should discuss is that uh, the regime in Brazil is um, a little bit different than the one to the one that you have in UI. And for instance, we are still in the very beginning of state litigation regarding antitrust. And we do have a few cases here and there that are for a number of reasons, and the most important of them is that our Brazilian courts, they take a very, very long time to decide a case. Um, I would say that we are still waiting 
for civil litigation to become a thing uh, like it is in the US, for instance. So, uh, virtually, virtually all of the activities uh, regarding antitrust in Brazil, they are performed by an independent agency that is linked to the Ministry of Justice. The name of this agency is uh, CADE, CADE. Uh, this is an acronym for Administrative Council for Economic Defense. This is a rather old uh, government agency. It has been um, it has been in place since 1962. But um, even though since the 60s we have uh, we have uh, legislation in Brazil. Uh, Sort of uh, uh, trying to implement an antitrust culture and deal with merger control issues. I would say that uh, until 1994, uh, Cali was very silent and in, in a way that uh, it, it really had no no relevant activities uh, whatsoever. Then we have a very important change in our legislation in 1994. This is the year when Cardi really became independent and so things started to improve after 1995, 1996 and then we had uh, we had two very, two very important changes in our legislation here in Brazil. Uh, I would say that the first one of them, and we can discuss this in details uh, later on, the first one of them was in between 2002 and 2003 when the Brazilian government implemented a leniency program in Brazil, uh, which I believe is very similar to the one that you have in the UN. So uh, since 2002, companies are allowed and actually encouraged to uh, come to the government and confess some uh, antitrust wrongdoing and present uh, evidence that can help the government to prosecute uh, other participants to the uh, illegal activity. And this has been quite a success in, in Brazil. So but let me let me more. let me stop you there for a second. So is 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 it, is it illegal? Is it a criminal act to violate the antitrust laws in Brazil? Yeah, this is a very good question. So um, there is there are two uh, any company that is uh, that, is, uh, that has committed an, an antitrust violation. Uh, it is subject to being investigated by CARI on the administrative sphere and also criminally by the Office of the Federal Prosecutors in Brazil. So whenever a company, for instance, engages in cartel practice, uh, it can be uh, prosecuted uh, by both the, both CARI and by federal prosecutors. So, but when you were talking about the leniency program, was that for CARI or with the federal prosecutors? It was implemented originally to be uh, implemented by CADE, but uh, then, of course, uh, the authorities and companies uh, they, they, they quickly understood uh, that the program the program would only work if companies applying <laughs> for uh, immunity in Brazil uh, could also uh, receive a criminal immunity. So, since okay. uh, 2003, uh, whenever a company uh, begins the negotiations of an agreement with CADE. Uh, criminal enforcers are quickly called to the table in order to guarantee that the company will enjoy both the initiative and criminal immunity. Uh-huh. Uh, just as a curiosity, so what antitrust violations can be criminally prosecuted in Brazil? Like, you know, in, in the U.S., it's really only certain types of per se violations, price fixing, bid rigging, you know, market allocation. 
Um, do you have that same concept, or is it pretty much, yeah. I mean, can monopolization be, be criminally prosecuted? Uh, it could, but it never is. So uh, I'll put it in the answer would be yes. But uh, I'll say that most of our criminal investigations are pretty, pretty similar to the ones that you have in the U.S. So capitalization and the rigging and uh, actually information exchange can uh, can be prosecuted sometimes in Brazil. But uh, I'll say the monopolization and, uh, and, and those type of type, types of practices, uh, they are not a focus of our criminal authorities. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty much the cartel and price fixing and bid rigging type. Yes, that exactly. Okay, well that that makes sense. That, that makes the, sense. Yeah, and that was the one of the as I said, that was one of the most important changes that we had in our system, and this took place in 2002. And then in 2012, we had another major change. Um, when uh, CADI uh, received uh, new resources by the federal government, uh, we had a, a new antitrust law providing mm-hmm. CADI with new investigative, investigative powers and also changing a little bit how the merger control system uh, works in Brazil. And this was another change for the best. And if you like, uh, we could we could discuss uh, merger control uh, at any moment. Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, my exposure for many years until, as you know, somewhat recently, with Brazilian antitrust law has always been under merger control. When my when my clients have you know mainly acquired, but or been acquired and and had some contacts with Brazil, I mean, the joke was always if you breathed in Brazil, you know, you had a file in Brazil, um, <laughs> but. Uh, but and and but for many years it was also um, nobody waited necessarily. Um, although I think that has changed. So um, um, you know, if you could talk a little bit about kind of your merger control, I, I think it's it's more similar these days to Hart Scott than it used to be. Yes, absolutely. I think it is. And this was this was very this was really a change for the best. So um, as I, I'm sure you remember, before 2012. Uh, even though Brazil already had a merger control um, regime, companies were allowed to close a transaction even before receiving antitrust approval in Brazil. So, um, and because uh, the, the antitrust review took so long, sometimes whenever Cadi wanted to uh, impose uh, some sort of remedy to a transaction that could result in problems in Brazil, uh, you have been so long since the transaction had already closed that it was almost impossible to enforce those remedies. So mm-hmm. this was, uh, at, at, at a certain point of time, Brazil became sort of a joke uh, among its uh, antitrust uh, peers. And as far as I know, the ITN pushed Brazil uh, for a very long time to change its merger control system. And that change that really happened in between 2011 and 2012. So since then, the, we, we changed to a, a pre-merger notification system. So now companies are required to uh, obtain status approval before closing a certain deal that can produce impacts in Brazil. And at the same time, CADI changed its structure uh, rather drastically uh, in order to approve those transactions uh, very quickly. 
and this has been also a very important change. And uh, I think it's, uh, I think perhaps it's interesting uh, for our listeners to to know that uh, almost 90% of the cases that are submitted to Cadiz review nowadays they are cleared in approximately uh, 20 to 25 days. And this is uh, rather good. Uh, if we compare this, those numbers to the situation that we had in Brazil in 2010, 2011, when a, a very simple case could take something along the lines of uh, six to seven months to be cleared, uh, this, this, was, uh, this was certainly a very good change. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, so now, so now there's some teeth in it and people are, are paying far more attention. Yes, absolutely. And so we are, we are, they, because of all of those efforts, I has been able to clear the transactions, uh, quickly. And also there was an important change, um, on the thresholds that, uh, determine whether a certain transaction is subject to merger control in Brazil. Before this new law, as you, as right. you said, uh, virtually any transaction, uh, performed anywhere in the world could produce effects in Brazil according to the understanding to the, 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 the understanding by the Brazilian authorities. So the transaction demanded a local uh, merger control submission. And this was changed in 2012. So nowadays there are basically two steps for a company to investigate whether a given transaction is subject to a monetary interest filing in Brazil. The first, of course, is to verify whether the turnovers of the group involved in the deal reach a minimum threshold. So, mm-hmm. and those thresholds uh, were substantially increased in 2012. And the second step involves checking whether this transaction qualifies as what we call in Brazil a concentration act. And so we're talking about um, acquisitions, uh, for instance, uh, the acquisitions of, uh, of uh, interest, we're talking about asset acquisitions. So there is actually a list of transactions provided by this new antitrust law that defines what a concentration act is. So all of those were very good changes that we had in the deal. Uh-huh. So did the, did the number of filings get reduced because of the raising of the thresholds at least? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in 2010, 2011, uh, we had almost uh, 1,000 filings that were submitted each year to Cardiff Review. And most of those filings, they really had no impact whatsoever in Brazil. They were all very simple. And so this was one of the reasons why the government wanted to, to reduce the number of filings. And nowadays, uh, if we look at, at Cadiz numbers from 2015, we can see that we had 406 merger fines that were submitted oh, wow. in Brazil. Yeah, that's, yep. that's, that's quite good. And those, um, uh, 95%, 95% of those cases, of those 406 cases, were quickly reviewed by Cadiz and quickly uh, approved in 20 to 25 days. So this was rather important in Brazil. So um, now these companies, uh, they are not so scared uh, whenever they receive information that a certain transaction also needs to be submitted to be reviewed by the Brazilian Antitrust Authorities. Uh-huh. Um, now, I, by the which Antitrust Authorities? 
Okay, we're going to have to hold it here. Uh, it has been uh, an extremely informative discussion. Uh, you know, thank you uh, very much to Andre for uh, joining us, and uh, please stay tuned for uh, part two um, of our podcast in which we're going to be discussing gun jumping in Brazil, um, an issue near and dear to many of our hearts here in the U.S. Um, have a great day, and uh, stay tuned. Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. This content is not intended as legal advice for any purpose and you should not consider it as such. All rights reserved.